Hello and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Five Rings podcast, funded by the Legend of the Five Rings Community Discord Patreon. This podcast will focus on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Korvar. I'm Kakita Kaori. This week we have a sample of Halloween stories from DriveThruRPG, including some upcoming L5R novels. And we're going to be looking at the latest fiction, What Costs a Dream?, and also the interactive fiction, An Impossible Task, which is a method by which people may well be able to change the current story that is happening with Legend of the Five Rings. So I'm getting back into some awesome. play participation, so we're looking forward to that. Yes. But first of all, we have a little bit of news. Um, not a whole lot. Uh, for Halloween... Aconite Books put out a sampler of various Halloween stories, including a three-chapter preview of Curse of Honor, which is currently published and available for purchase if you wish to read it, which I recommend. Uh, they put out the first three chapters, which follows Hida Nakakaguchi Haru as he guides a merchant caravan to shelter in a snowstorm and a little bit about what he discovers. And it also includes in the sampler the first four chapters of Night Parade of a Hundred Demons, which is uh, by Marie Brennan and follows Agasha no Isao Rietoro of the Dragon Clan as he meets Asako Sekin on the Phoenix to investigate an invasion from the spirit realms in the village of Saibomura. Uh, I can't say that those bits are too Halloween scary yet. Uh, they're a little weird. Um, I can say that Curse of Honor, because Reddit is very scary, or uh, at least uh, plenty, plenty gruesome, as one would expect a, a crab fiction to be. Um, so, you know, instead of just reading the sampler for that, go, that, go out and get the book. <laughs> yeah. We also have some rumors that Drive Through RPG is working with Edge, the new publisher for the Legend of the Five Rings RPG titles. And they're working with Edge on the Celestial Realms PDF. So that is progressing, but you see, it, might be t it might take a little while. And all FFG titles on DriveThruRPG are now listed under Edge Studio. So if you're wondering where they've gone, that's where they've gone. Yes, so PDFs are coming. Edge has assumed that role, so Celestial Realms will come up at some point. Some point soonish. So that's, that's our news. Uh, not a whole lot, but... It's all good. Uh, and so I thought next we would talk about the Halloween fiction for uh, this year, which is What Cost a Dream. In the past, our Halloween fictions have been by um, Spooky, Robert Dead the Third, but this year it's by D.G. Laderoot. And uh, this is kind of a tradition for L5R. Each year, they have a Halloween fiction that comes out to uh, give us a, an appropriate glimpse of, you know, life in the weird realms and scary things in Rokugan. Uh, usually, they're pretty crabby 
fictions, but this year this is a very quintessentially crane horror story. Very crane horror story. Mm-hmm. Very much so. You have a a crane shakuhachi musician, Doji Toin, learning how to perform ever more beautiful and amazing music from a very mysterious benefactor, Yugure, who he meets in his dreams. For each new piece that he learns, we learn, he doesn't, but we do, that he loses someone from his life as if they had never existed. Uh, his son, his two daughters, and eventually his wife. And he does not realize it's happening. It's, it's literally, I thought I had a dream where we had more children. No, don't be ridiculous. We do not have more children. And then later on, he's like, I dreamed we had children. Don't be ridiculous. And that kind of thing. It's, it's very, very spooky. So he's unaware that he sacrificed them. And as this happens, he's gaining glory in the courts. He is being asked to perform at more and more prestigious events and in front of more and more prestigious people. And each time he goes back to his dreams and learns from Yugure, and each time he comes back and he has lost someone else who he does not even remember anymore. And finally, he's invited to perform for the emperor when he goes to his last song after all his family's gone, he loses himself and his own mind to madness. It's really spooky. Um, it, it felt a lot like the lying darkness back in the day, stealing your, your, yourself and your identity. But, but this is not quite the same. Um, for starters, he does seem to be meeting Yugure, his mysterious benefactor, uh, in Yumido, which is the realm of dreams. So... That's one difference. Well, we don't know that the nothing can't manifest in dreams. Who knows? It's a very weird thing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it, it is really difficult to tell. It, it's a very, you know, is it any one specific thing? I think that's a lot of it is deliberately very vague. Like, one of the things we've become across is we don't exactly know when this was meant to be set. The, the clan champion that he performs in front of is not mentioned by name. So we don't know exactly who he is performing in front of and thus when. And in theory, it might not even... It, this could be a legend rather than a specific event. It's really unclear, which is part of the fun of it, the, um, the, the ambiguity. So um, also, uh, just because this... It, is uh, so much about it. Uh, I thought we'd talk a little bit about the shakuhachi. Um, the shakuhachi is a bamboo flute. Uh, you see it very much in any pictures of Japanese musicians or monks. It's uh, a bamboo flute. You blow through it through the end rather than from the side. Um, the name comes from shaku, which is a unit of length. It's about a foot. And uh, shaku is the foot. And hachi is the eighth of a foot. No, it's it's so, po it, it's eight tenths. Uh, eight tenths. Yeah. So, so a sen? Is that what it's? Shaku, yeah, it's a sun, I think. Yeah. Sun. It's so, it, it, yeah. Eight, eight. It's one shaku, eight sun. But they just say shaku hachi. And you're supposed to know what that means. And yeah, I like that it's literally just the name of the length of the thing, not it's a flute. 
I'm just going to, you know, going to practice on my my 1.8 foot. I was like, what? That's it's it's a really interesting instrument. I mean, it's originally Chinese. It's often played by monks, very famously by the ones who wear the basket hats. And that's they do that as a meditation exercise, but it's also just used used as music. It's made from bamboo, specifically very often the root, the actual root of the the plant itself, and uh, it's quite a common instrument. And in L five R, it's mentioned quite a lot. And if you look up the, I really recommend looking up the Wikipedia page because the way it can be played and the the number of techniques and stuff is just fascinating. It's a really, really interesting instrument. In the crane specifically, uh, it mentions that it's a preferred instrument of the Daidoji, actually, because it can survive the rougher treatment uh, than a biwa or a other other common instruments. So, more other types of flute, including the the you know, the one you play sideways, um, and and obviously other other types of wind instruments. But the shakuhachi is pretty emblematic. <laughs> Uh, I believe that in the role-playing game, there are um, stats for beating people with your flute. Well, it is it is fundamentally a nearly two-foot-long lump of bamboo, and it's like I say, it's taken from the root generally. So the the kind of the the sound end uh, is actually fairly solid because of that. So don't hit people with flutes; it's very rude. Um, Unless you're in a role-playing game, in which case it's, it's acceptable behavior. So uh, in this, in the story, it mentions the uh, gardens of the doji uh, in the season that he is going to visit the gardens of Kuten doji as being a wash or a bloom in hibiscus and azaleas. So I thought I'd check, check those guys out because uh, I don't know about you, here in the United States, we... we identify hibiscus very commonly with Hawaii. Um, so that's just, that's, it's the Hawaiian flower. So it's like, okay. But uh, hibiscus is found throughout East Asia, along with much of the rest of the world. And in Chinese flower language, hibiscus is associated with glory or fame. Azalea uh, which if you haven't seen before, it's it's kind of like a rhododendron. Azalea is at the heart of one of the Japanese flower festivals, the Sutsuji Matsuri. And in flower language, it means remembering your home with fondness or wishing to return to it or taking care of your family. So chef's kiss to uh, Dave Latterout, you have picked... Absolutely perfect uh, flower language for this story because you've got the contrasting glory and fame versus taking care of your family and remembering your home. And I just, oh, and actually I kind of confirmed with him this was intentional. So it's not just me over-interpreting. He picked it intentionally. So you gotta, you got to love that. That was uh, perfect. Now, as you mentioned, we don't really know when this was. So it could theoretically have happened anytime in the past, possibly even the present. Although I believe you have an opinion about where it is, where it's set. Um, I think that it's more inclined to put it prior to Doji Satsume's time. Um, 
it works so well as a morality tale for the crane, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But also, um, you know, you've, well, one, there's no emperor to play for, play before the imperial court if you said it right now. <laughs> and um, it would be uh, if, if he did play in his final condition before the emperor, it would be a incident a very, 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 very embarrassing and traumatic incident for the crane. And not one that I know that the crane would recover from easily. It's it's particularly ambiguous, right, to be honest, whether he even gets to that gets to that point because, you know, that's that's the kind of my performance for the Imperial Court. It must be perfect. And then we don't actually hear he we we see him playing the final piece while talking to Yugure, uh, but we don't see what happens next. So that could just be the end of it. That could just be the end of him. So we don't really know. He may not have got that far. So people were kind of wondering whatever happened to that guy. They may even not even do that. They may I mean may literally this is someone we now no longer have ever heard of because they've disappeared from history. Basically, the question is I thought we could talk about is. Did this really happen? And and kind of when? Um, and is this, could this be considered a morality tale? So by morality tale, I mean like an Aesop's fable or um, some other story that you tell your children uh, so that they behave or learn something. Uh, that you think is important. Yes, and and it's not beyond the realms of possibility that it's both are true, that this actually happens, but now it is just a morality tale. He literally only exists in fiction because of what happened. This is, you know, the sad, tragic tale. Um, I, I prefer to think of it having happened kind of sometime in the distant past, but the mere fact that it, this is possibly all being detached from reality really just sets everything adrift. So who knows? Mm -hmm. So there's a line in it that said, um, you sought where you agree is, you know, just trying to nudge uh, Toen into learning the last piece or, you know, continuing. Uh, and he says, you sought perfection in your music. It is all that has ever truly mattered to you. And, one of the things that very often gets confused with talking about the philosophy of the crane, but a number of authors have worked hard to try and make this distinction clear, uh, not all of them, is the difference between excellence and perfection. Okay? Excellence is something where you, you are always striving for, for excellence, right? But perfection is out of reach and is supposed to be out of reach, right? Uh, like um, wabi-sabi, which is the uh, Japanese philosophy of perfect imperfection. Everything is built with a little flaw in it, intentionally put in. And uh, Doji Hitaru in her father's daughter talks about how there's like intentional mistakes <laughs> in the gardens in the design of the gardens and that sort of thing, that there's that that perfection is not the goal. 
Have you have you heard of that? You've you've heard of that philosophy, haven't you? Um, I've heard of various different um, whether whether you're deliberately putting in the flaws or whether you just accept that flaws will occur mm-hmm. uh, is is kind of open to interpretation. But yeah, I've, I've heard that, that. Yeah, that 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 idea is a fairly common one. Yeah, kind of. It, it it's what means it's it's real. So it's so it's this. You're trying to be excellent, but you're not necessarily going for perfection. And perfection is is in this interpretation of this as a morality tale. Perfection is is dangerous. Is is more than you could grasp. You lose everything else that is important if you go all the way to perfection. Well, especially because, in a, in a sense, he's not. Because the other thing, really, about the the crane and their appreciative excellence is that it is meant to be something you strive for, not something you get given. Which is what Toyin is doing. He's he's just getting this from someone else rather than striving himself because his own lack of confidence. So he's going to this Yugure figure and is kind of, you know, give me give me the thing I need to do this performance, as opposed to striving to be better through his own efforts uh knowledge without without sacrifice without the time and the effort that it takes to become better <laughs> yeah you mentioned the you you actually came this is something i didn't know and you came up you found this the asahina family motto you know, knowledge must be earned not simply learned which i thought was obviously really really appropriate for this and i thought that was a really insightful thing for you to to come up with right so yeah that's always been the asahina family motto since first edition was was knowledge must be earned not simply learned it is intended i think originally as a kind of contrast to between the asahina and the phoenix which were their their origins it's not about knowledge is power or knowledge is you know, great in its own own right. It's the earning of the knowledge, and while that is true for the Asahina, it's also true for um, you know the other other Crane families in their own own different ways. Um, even the um, story in fifth edition for uh, the blades of Asahina Yajinden, the the blood swords uh, in new in new five R. It's the same morality story. So it's um, he goes, he learns a technique from a mysterious stranger because he wants to make perfect swords, and he makes more and more perfect swords, and they're all cursed. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he, and uh, he didn't intend yeah, to. Yeah, he didn't intend to. At least in the story that we're given in Courts of Stone. So this is this is that kind of story. <laughs> So you should go out and read it if you haven't read it, in which case we've spoiled it for you, but it's much creepier when you read it yourself. And and then think about uh, how how maybe uh, adding those flaws or the conflict between perfection and excellence might play out with a crane character that you have, if you want. And given that it's very ambiguous as to whether this happened at all, and if so, when it happened. Maybe you want to have a think about your own opinions about did it happen, when did it happen, who did it happen to, and uh, you can let us know, which we'll 
We'd be interested to hear other people's take. And we will move on now to the interactive fiction that was put up by FFG not too long ago, An Impossible Task, written by Lisa Farrell, designed by Katrina Ostrander and Tyler Parrott. And it's an interactive twine fiction, which is essentially choose your own adventure. And I thought it was really, really cool. Yeah, it was. Um, I'm not going to, we don't want to spoil all of it because you got to do your own. But essentially, you play a Ronin on Mushashugo, which is the uh, warrior's pilgrimage, who is working for Ikoma Sunuri in the unicorn lion conflict. And Ikoma Sunuri has asked you to re- rescue the legendary general Akoto Kayasuke and retrieve some intelligence that the unicorn have learned. And you can play through it in all different kinds of ways. And uh, and different things happen depending on your choices that you make in the story. And the way that it has worked is that you can submit the results that you receive um, to FFG, and it will go into the. Eventually, they'll compile all of these in different ways, and uh, you know it'll affect the storyline in some way, though. Um, you know, I guess it would be who does it most, but you could play through it a whole lot of times. So it'll be interesting to see what those results will be. Yeah. Uh, the four questions are mostly, you know, did you save the general? Did you retrieve the intelligence? Did you read it? <laughs> and did the lion or the unicorn win the battle to retake for Rhodes Village? You've got until November the sixteenth, twenty twenty, in order to submit. There are some lore nuggets that I kind of pulled out uh, from here. Not a whole lot. Uh, and these are just from, from my various uh, playthroughs. These are more relevant to, like, what the what's going on in the storyline right now rather than anything uh, associated with uh, unicorn or the lore, like Japanese uh culture things that we've brought out like we often do for lore. We do learn that the lion are using Ronan, uh, though some dislike it, which is actually new to me because I didn't think the the lion really used Ronan a lot. Um, uh, Certainly Matsusuko was very, very annoyed earlier in the storyline about the idea of Ronan bringing her uh, doji on and she she did kill them. <laughs> and, no, she wasn't happy. And she wasn't happy at the thought that potentially someone in her clan had hired them. It might be different when you're talking about someone who's on a mushashugyo, because that's actually a clan samurai who is temporarily ronining themselves so that they can learn more about the world and hone their skills. So it might be that that's considered different enough that that's okay, but... Or just different lion commanders feel feel differently. So Matsusuko is very, very uh, straight-laced about the idea of using Ronin and uh, Akuma Sunuri, not so much... <laughs> There are there are often differences of opinion. So so let's see other things from from my playthrough. Uh, as I said, you're rescuing Akoto Kaisuke potentially. Um, he did 
it did mention that he trained at Shiromiramoto and that he could call on his dragon allies for aid. Whether or not he survives depends on who wins, but that does imply that there is a possibility out there for a lion-dragon alliance, which is not something we've seen so far. We did see the dragon kind of passing through lion lands and were given safe passage after a rather tense confrontation, but that wasn't quite to the... uh, Anywhere near the high, well, we could potentially be allies. But here, there is a possibility, like, if this story works such that Kaisuke lives, maybe there will be a, a lion-dragon um, alliance in the offing. That could um, raise the stakes a little bit and uh, get more people involved in what's looking to become a full-on clan war. We also learn that the Unicorn Army travels with many extra horses, which I suppose is one of those things that that kind of makes sense. The original Mongol in the actual armies of Genghis Khan and such like, I believe each soldier had a... They had a string of mounts, and I think it was 10, but that could be me confusing it with other... The, the, the number 10 comes up a lot, so I might be getting confused with that. But there was a specific number that every soldier had to be taken care of, precisely because of they are a a horse army, with a cavalry and horse archers. So, yeah, oddly enough, they have a lot of extra horses. That does make sense. <laughs> yeah, so so not just a couple extra horses. Think, think yeah, multiple horses per Per soldier. Yeah, you're, gonna, you're not going to have too much difficulty tracking which way did the Unicorn Army go? Well, by the enormous trail of horse hooves and, let us say, other evidence of horses, I think they went this way. <laughs> That's true. Um, let's see. Uh, it does say that lion harvests have been poor and that rices, more rice is needed to support the troops both in the Unicorn Lands and versus the Crane. I suspect that... Uh, Daidoji Uji may be responsible for some of the uh, difficulty on his side of the... Yeah, supply trains end up getting blown up, don't leave a lot of rice. Blown up, burned, whatever. <laughs> there was some speculation that the lack of supply trains to lion armies on the border with the unicorn was actually a ploy by the Akama Daimyo, and there was speculation that he was, in fact, deliberately withholding supplies so that the lion would be forced to take supplies from the unicorn, thus weaken them. But it looks like that's not the case. It looks like the harvest actually genuinely weren't as good as they had been. So that's a new piece of information. Mm-hmm. And just uh, four, four Roads Village is between... Uh, Unicorn Lands and the Castle of the Swift Sword and is blocking the Swift Sword. So if it fails to fall, then uh, if it falls to the Unicorn, I should say, then the Unicorn have a really good staging point for Castle of the Swift Sword. So that could be a, a potential outcome of this too, is if the village is captured by the Unicorn, then potentially um, you know, Castle of the Swift Sword is is at risk. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, at one point, it's actually referred to the Four Rivers Village, but I think that's just a mistype. 
because I was all I was getting all very excited because there's the land of four rivers, which seems to be the kind of China analogue where a lot of culture comes from but hasn't been heard of for a long time. And I thought, ooh, Four Rivers Village, but apparently it's Four Roads Village, which is interesting in its own way, isn't quite that mysterious. So that's that. So Four Roads Village, there you go. So obviously the, the question is, have you played through this? What did you, what choices did you make? Which is, we were all made our choices, we all got our results. You know, which, which did you go for? And uh, did you like it? What did you like about it? Do you want to see more like this? Do you think there's stuff that could have been done better for even even more fun? So I, I quite like this. I like the idea of them making this and giving people a little interactive fiction to go through. Yeah, I thought that this was a great idea. We've long hoped for something for um, role-playing game players to potentially affect the storyline and having this idea that you could have Different ways of doing it. This is by choices. You could do it by votes or anything. Either way is, is good for the role-playing game characters to get their little little say uh, in the storyline and, and feel, feel connected to it themselves. I, I would actually quite like to see another one from the unicorn point of view as to kind of balance things out because you kind of like, are people going to be spiking the results or because they don't like Lion or are the Lion players going to be particularly motivated to put in what they think is the best and that kind of thing. I think it'd be interesting if it was balanced out by a unicorn one. I would certainly love to see more of these, but I, I assume there are lots of work because you have to write all the possible outcomes and so on and so on. It was it was really nicely done, though. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I think... Um what could have been done better? Um, I am not sure. I think there's an argument to be made for letting everybody see all the endings before putting in their vote. I think that there's an argument to be made that everyone should have to put in their first vote. <laughs> you know, actually put in what they got their first go through and um, do it like that. So I couldn't say which is better. I think they should work a little harder on making sure that each person can only put it in once. Because that, I found, was not restricted. So, um, Yeah, we'll see. We'll but, see. But uh, hopefully people will, will just put it in, in once. Um, and, but you know, overall, I thought it was great. So please do more of that. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. <laughs> So that's kind of our our review of uh, an impossible task. So, and so that was kind of this is kind of a not quite Halloween, the kind of Halloween Fallout issue, if you like, uh, talking <laughs> about especially the Halloween fiction and the Halloween sampler stories. So, what are your favorite scary L five R stories? Because there there are a fair number from old lore and new lore. And has this latest story made it to top your list? You have to tell us. Uh, also, you have to tell us what your adventure choices were. Um, are you looking for more choose-your-own-adventure in the future? Uh, please let us know at courtgamespod.com forums or on Discord in Court Games Talk. So we'd like to shout out to our other Court Games Network podcasts, including the Legend of the Five Rings LCG podcast 
and our two actual play role-playing podcasts, Crimson Gold Agonies and Fortune and Strife. Our content is funded by the Community Discord Patreon, which supports our editing costs, as well as our website, where you can see and store uh, longer-term information, summaries of our podcasts. You can find RPG tools and more. Uh, for our patrons, we try to have special bonus content uh, with early access to our AP podcasts and potentially adventure seeds or, or other things. So if you have ideas for things that would be good Patreon content, uh, things you need to have for your games, things that will benefit you, please, please uh, let us know. Online, you can find us at our website, courtgamespod.com. On Twitter at twitter.com slash courtgamespod and on Patreon at patreon.com slash courtgames. But that's it for us this week. This is Kikita Kaori. May the fortunes favor you. And I've been Kova, and until we meet again, keep your jade handy.